Isaiah 40, starting at verse 1. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and announce to her that her time of forced labour is over. Her iniquity has been pardoned and she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. And then continuing at verse 9. Zion, herald of good news, go up on a high mountain. Jerusalem, herald of good news, raise your voice loudly. Raise it. Do not be afraid. Say to the cities of Judah, here is your God. See, the Lord God comes with strength and his power establishes his rule. His reward is with him and his gifts accompany him. He protects his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them in the fold of his garment. He gently leads those that are nursing. The second reading is from Luke chapter 2, starting at verse 21 on page 942. Luke 2.21 When the eight days were completed for his circumcision, he was named Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived. And when the days of their purification according to the law of Moses were finished, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, just as it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male will be dedicated to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to what is stated in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. There was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, looking forward to Israel's consolation, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he saw the Lord's Messiah. Guided by the Spirit, he entered the temple complex. When the parents brought the child Jesus to perform for him what was customary under the law, Simeon took him up in his arms, praised God and said, Now, Master, you can dismiss your slave in peace as you promised. For my eyes have seen your salvation. You have prepared it in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and glory to your people Israel. His father and mother were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and told his mother Mary, Indeed, this child is destined to cause the fall and rise of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be opposed and a sword will pierce your own soul that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. scenes in the Pierce household on Christmas morning. Good evening, my name's Andy. If I haven't met you, I'm one of the pastors here. I want to ask you, um, 
Do you remember getting that excited? Do you remember the joy that you had uh, waiting for something that you really, really wanted? Uh, Waiting for it, counting the sleeps, and then unwrapping the paper and thinking, wow, that is awesome, when you finally get your hands on it. Do you remember that feeling? It's a good feeling, isn't it? Maybe you felt that this Christmas. Well, I want to ask you, um, do you remember the last time you felt that way about receiving Jesus? When was the last time you felt that excited? I'm not talking about being in a state of emotional euphoria. I'm a POM. I'm genetically engineered not to get too excited about anything. Uh, uh, Nor am I talking about how excited you get in church. You know, you see uh, some people who are constantly excited about every little thing. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about being excited in a way that you are so gripped by Jesus that he seizes you and grips you, and controls everything about you. Every decision you make uh, made for Jesus. Every second in your your diary used for Jesus. Every ounce of energy in your being spent and uh, burnt for Jesus. When was the last time you were excited for Jesus like that? Well, perhaps here this evening, and you're not a Christian, that's fine. It's uh, fine that you're not excited about Jesus. Why would you get excited about Jesus? I want to encourage you tonight to dig into Luke's gospel. Luke has said that he has written a biography about the life of Jesus and carefully investigated from primary sources what happened in Jesus' life and what he said. I want to encourage you to dig into Luke uh, this evening. Perhaps you're a new Christian this evening, and you like a little spring puppy. You're excited all the time. Uh, you walk down the street, and everything reminds you about Jesus. Uh, you're super excited. You love Jesus, and he is brilliant. I want to say to you, keep going. Keep feeding your soul. Keep uh, being excited about Jesus. Uh, my hunch, though, is that many of us who have been uh, Christians for a while, well, we've stopped getting so excited about Jesus. I know that I've been a a Christian for 18 years now, and I know that time can take away your excitement of Jesus. Familiarity uh, with the Bible and with God's promises uh, can uh, breed almost a numbness to the beauty and the wonder that is in those promises. And being surrounded by Sydney, filled with the things that seem so much more exciting than Jesus, can drain you of that life-gripping, soul-grabbing excitement of the person and work of Jesus that you once knew so well. Perhaps this Christmas, uh, you've been more excited about the Apple Watch under your Christmas tree than you have been about Jesus, given for you delivered into human history for you. I talk to many people who feel like that. talk to many people around the place. Wherever you stand this evening, I think we can learn something from Simeon. I love Simeon. He's a great great man, isn't he? He's such an excited little puppy. I love him. We're not told uh, much about Simeon, but we are told that he has got a a great religious pedigree, verse 25. If you've opened your Bibles, open them at Luke chapter 2, verse 25. Uh, We're told 
uh, Luke chapter 2, verse 25, that he is righteous and devout. Uh, Luke gives us the impression uh, that he's old as well, uh, because no sooner had the uh, no sooner had team nativity arrived from Bethlehem, Mary and Joseph and the baby Jesus. He's probably about one month old by the time we hit Luke chapter two. By the time they hit the temple in Jerusalem, no sooner do they walk through the door than Simeon takes the one month old baby Jesus in. Jesus in his arms lifts him up, does a Lion King, and says, now I'm ready to die. I had a real-life baby this morning. It was quite exciting. Um, Imagine, imagine that. Imagine Simeon taking this one-month-old stranger's baby and lifting him up, praising God. He says, now, Master, you can dismiss Your slave in peace, as you promised. For my eyes have seen your salvation. It's pretty stoked, isn't he? Pretty over the moon. I wonder what the YouTube footage was like. Whoa, awesome, a baby, just what I always wanted. God's salvation. Better than any Minecraft Lego set. Better than any Apple Watch Simeon has received. He is grasping Jesus. He is grasping him in his hands. But do you see what's happening to his heart? Jesus is grasping him. He's grasping his heart. He's grasping his soul. And he can't contain himself. Well, why does he uh, react with so much excitement? I love him. I think he's brilliant. And how can he help us with our lack of excitement for Jesus? Let me unpack three aspects of Luke's account of Simeon. Just three little aspects. Uh, Simeon's weight, God's gift, and finally, our response. Simeon's weight. As I said uh, earlier, Luke doesn't tell us much about Simeon, but he does tell us that Simeon was waiting. He was waiting to fulfill uh, two promises, waiting for God to fulfill two promises. One promise is there in verse 25. Have a look with me. Um, uh, Luke tells us he was looking forward to Israel's consolation. Literally, he was looking forward to Israel's comfort. Uh, The first Bible reading that Viv read out uh, from Isaiah was a promise made by Isaiah that promised to comfort God's people. Comfort, comfort my people. Same word. Consolation, comfort. Same word. That same promise that Viv read out, given centuries before Jesus came on the scene, that God would rescue and comfort his people Israel. Uh, The second promise was made uh, uniquely to Simeon in verse 26, uh, that he would die and he would see God's Messiah. But not in that order. No, he would, die, he would not die before he sees God's Messiah. He's been waiting his entire life for God's Messiah to arrive in history, for God's King and God's Rescuer to come down to earth, to walk through the door, and to sort out the mess that uh, Simeon saw around him. Simeon was very aware that Israel needed a rescue. A rescue from her sin. 
the nation that Simeon knew, was in tatters because of sin. It, it had been ravaged by foreign armies, foreign armies used by God in judgment at her sin. You can read all about that in the first half of Isaiah, if you fancy doing that. And Israel uh, was now, at the time we're looking at in Luke's Gospel, you'll know, was occupied by the Roman Empire. Israel was meant to be God's nation. It was meant to be the envy of the world. Uh, But she was in tatters. And Simeon's world was broken. He knew that his world was broken. And he knew that Israel desperately, desperately needed a rescuer. Uh, Just to underline the the image of what Simeon saw, he was waiting in the temple. And the temple was one big billboard uh, to show God's people that they needed a rescue. Uh, The temple was uh, the epicenter of the sacrificial system where gallons and gallons of animal blood were spilled to remind Israel that she needed to pay for her sin, to remind God's people that they were lost in their sin. So Israel and Simeon had been at this centuries-old waiting game for a rescue and a rescuer. And the moment this stranger's one-month-old baby enters the temple, Simeon says, the wait is over. The rescuer is here. And he goes a little crazy in the way he does, starts uh, singing this song. He's really quite excited. He's like one of those game show contestants, isn't he, who's won the jackpot. You know, they just go crazy, don't they? He's like a man who hasn't drunk for a few days and has just been poured a beautiful, cold, long glass of water. He's excited. He's over the moon. Well, I wonder whether our lack of excitement is because we've forgotten that we're thirsty. Perhaps we've forgotten that we need rescuing. Or we've forgotten what kind of rescue we need. Our lives can easily get consumed by other kinds of rescues, can't they? And we can easily forget the rescue that Jesus has come to deliver. We get consumed with uh, rescues from fear of financial insecurity, or we get consumed uh, with rescues about uh, whether our kids will go, have to go to uh, a public high school, or whether we can afford uh, to own our own house. Those are the kinds of rescues that we get consumed with that make us forget what Jesus has come to rescue us from. Those things aren't bad themselves, but they cause us to lose sight of the real rescue and cause us to lose sight of the deepest need. Because without Jesus, we are lost. We're lost in our sin. We're lost in a broken world. Uh, Luke, in his big purpose statement for his biography, uh, says about Jesus, the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Luke says, without Jesus, we are lost in a broken world. Uh, the rescue uh, we wait, the, the rescue that Jesus has come to deliver 
is to find us, to seek us and to save us. And Simeon knew it. He knew it as the baby walked through the door in his mother's arms. And he asks us, do we know uh, that we need this rescue? That's Simeon's wait. The next thing I want us to look at is God's gift. Uh, when we look at this song, I love this song. When we look at uh, Simeon's song in verses 29 to 32 of Luke chapter 2, uh, we see just exactly why Simeon was so excited and why he says he was ready to die. His song reveals uh, the gift that has come through the temple door in his mother's arms. Uh, this one-month-old baby, Luke sa- um, Simeon says, is salvation and light. Have a look with me. Um, he says, verse 30, for my eyes have seen your salvation. And then verse 32, he says, you are a light for revelation to the Gentiles and glory to your people Israel. He says, you can now dismiss your slave in peace, just as you promised, because I have finally seen your salvation. This baby that's in his mother's arms is God's salvation. He is God's promised rescuer, and he is a one-month-old baby. You've got to laugh at the situation, haven't you? Uh, They've just come uh, from, they've just come from the stable. Uh, They've pegged it up to the temple, and this bizarre situation is happening in the temple. This baby is God's promised rescuer. It's just bizarre. Totally what you'd not expect. Well, what kind of, um, what kind of rescuer does Simeon think uh, Jesus is? I guess if you would have asked uh, one of the citizens of Jerusalem, uh, they would have said the kind of rescue they need was an army that could overrun the Roman army, some, an army more powerful uh, that could overtake the Roman army or an army that could outnumber the Roman army, one better armed and one more powerful. But that's not what Simeon thinks. That's not what Simeon thinks. Uh, See, this song, verse 29 to 32, is not just a little ditty that he's made up on the spot. It's not just a little uh, poem that he's written on the fly. Uh, This poem is carefully chosen words taken from the book of Isaiah. And in Isaiah, we learn that the saviour of the world is not a conquering general. He's not a a military guru, but a suffering servant. A suffering servant given as a baby to die as a sacrifice for the sins of the people. I wonder whether you noticed what uh, Mary and Joseph were carrying when they came into the temple. Anyone spot that? Anyone have a little look? Uh, Verse 24, what what are they carrying? A pair of pigeons. Yeah, a pair of pigeons. Uh, A pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Uh, They were taking these pigeons to the temple to offer a sacrifice, a custom that was introduced in Leviticus. A sacrifice uh, was to be made for the firstborn son. But what Simeon is saying with his song here, as he quotes Isaiah, is that this one-month-old baby is going to be 
exactly like those pigeons. A sacrifice. Exactly like those pigeons, but much greater. Not a a sacrifice for sins that needed to keep being repeated, but a sacrifice that would deal with the sin problem once and for all, forever. That would deal with the root cause of the problem of the brokenness that Simeon could see and could feel in his world around him. But did you notice the other thing? That this uh, solution, this uh, sacrifice was going to be much bigger than Israel. Uh, Jesus was going to be a light for revelation to the Gentiles. Uh, This problem would not just deal with Israel's sin, but deal with the whole world's sin, the whole world's brokenness. Jesus come to deal with the sin problem of the whole world. Simeon says he's a light for revelation to the Gentiles. Jesus is a light. He's not one of those uh, little uh, dim nightlight things that you have in your bedroom. He's not a, a light that wags his finger at your immorality. He is a, a light that is more like a lighthouse, shining into the darkness, showing Uh, showing us the danger, guiding us to the safety of his sacrifice and to his eternal blood to lead us into a perfect world, a new creation where there will be no, no more sin, where there will be no more brokenness. That's what this light does. This tiny baby is big and he is massive and he is awesome. And he is just what we always needed. It's so uh, remarkable, isn't it, that Simeon has met this baby and he says, now I can die in peace. What a feeling that must be. What's the opposite to dying in peace? Dying in fear. Not knowing what's coming next. That must be a terrible feeling. Simeon says the sacrifice that has walked through the temple door means that we can die in peace. I wonder whether we've forgotten just how massive Jesus is. Just how good a gift he is from God to us into human history. That we can easily reduce him in size and importance. Or we can turn him into this genie Jesus there that we can just pull out when we need something or when we have a problem or then uh, 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 decide that he's not working uh, when he can't fix those problems. Simeon doesn't want us to reduce uh, Jesus in size and importance. He knows the good gift that Jesus is. And Luke has put it in this gospel so that we would know the good gift that Jesus is. Well, finally, uh, and more briefly, Simeon puts a question to us and asks us what our response to Jesus is. And that's our final point this evening, our response. Uh, Luke has built this whole uh, narrative of Jesus, this biography, biography of Jesus, so that we would react positively to Jesus. If you want to look back to Luke this evening, you can just see a whole string of songs all about Jesus to tell us what a good gift uh, Jesus is to the world. 
And he's not even one month old at this point. Uh, We are to react positively. And you've got to read this and go, why wouldn't you be lifting the baby in the air and saying, God, I can die in peace if you uh, knew who he was. But the thing that Simeon adds to Luke's biography of Jesus is there in verse 34. And it's a real shock. Uh, Just a a little bit into verse 34. Uh, Simeon says, Indeed, this child is destined to cause the fall and rise of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be opposed. Simeon is saying that this baby will not just get favored reactions. People will either love him or hate him. He will cause the rise of some and the fall of some. You will love him or you will hate him. He is, if you like, the Vegemite of the world. You will either love him or hate him. And Simeon, uh, uh, Luke puts that question to us. Uh, with the shock of verse uh, 34, and says, uh, what is he going to be to you? Are you going to love him, or are you going to hate him? Are you going to rise with Jesus? Are you going to fall with Jesus? See, that is uh, a question that Luke puts before us for the rest of our lives. Uh, Many of us who have felt, uh, myself included, who have felt that lack of excitement, Uh, for Jesus and what he's done for us. Well, that is a slippery slope if we're not careful. Uh, We could fall with Jesus. But Luke doesn't want us to go that way. He wants us to rise with Jesus, not to reject this gift, but to accept it, to see the gift and the rescue for what it is and allow Jesus to grip our lives, allow him to be the center of our lives, allow him to give us the peace and the joy that only Jesus gives now and the security for, um, security for eternity that only Jesus can deliver. Luke says, will you accept this gift or you will reject it? Will you rise or will you fall? Will you love him or will you hate him? Well, for those of us who are here who are perhaps guests who, who aren't Christian, can I encourage you to keep looking at Jesus? Grab one of those little Luke's biographies at the back. We've got a stack of them and we've got a, a good Christmas book. Take one of those and look at the life of Jesus. Luke has put in his biography good evidence to allow you to see who Jesus was and what he said. Keep digging into him and come and have a chat with me afterwards if you're compelled uh, by Jesus. He's a pretty uh, compelling gift and a vital rescue that we all desperately need. Well, if you're uh, here and your excitement levels have been dwindling and you've realized, yeah, I've taken Jesus for granted, I've forgotten Uh, the rescue that he's come to rescue me from, and the rescuer that he he is. Can I encourage you to take some time out between uh, Christmas and New Year? There's some dead time around the place, I'm sure. Just take half a day out, a couple of hours out, and just remind yourself of the rescue that Jesus has delivered. Remind yourself of what you are like without Jesus. How lost you are in this broken world without Jesus. And remind yourself of the gift that Jesus is for you, for this life now and for eternity.
Let me pray. Our Father God, we are sorry that when we are sorry for when we have not been gripped and when we've not been excited and not come under the rule of your rescuing King. Father, forgive us for our complacency and forgive us for our concern with the things of this world and the worries of this world. Uh, we praise you, Lord, for sending Jesus into human history that no matter who we are or what we've done, uh, we no longer need to be lost in our sin. We no longer uh, need to be dictated to by this broken and cruel world. Uh, restore to us, we pray, the joy of salvation, the excitement of being uh, your people, and the comfort and the certainty found for eternity only in Jesus. Amen.